You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, uh, it is time now to to take a, a moment and introduce some people to you. But before we do, I want to talk to you about the importance of what we're about to experience over the next few weeks. Today, we're going to talk about spiritual leadership in the church, specifically what is an elder and what are their responsibilities. Not so much this morning, their qualifications. We feel like we've already done enough work to, to, to present a elder or a deacon to you that qualifies in that way. But what does it look like for you? Many people have asked me in even recent days and weeks, you know, so what exactly is an elder? What is a deacon specifically? I mean, I kind of know, but, you know, how, how does gospel light operate with those two leadership offices in the church? We're going to share some of that. Of course, we have a lot of information through our church covenant, through our bylaws that share that, a lot of this information as well. But it's rather wordy, and it's a lot easier just to share it in a context like this. And so we're going to do that in just a moment. And I'm really excited about how it's going to translate to the, to the, to the church member. Because in, in all reality, what Jordan shared with us a moment ago, and believe it or not, we don't plan every little verse and intricate detail. What he shared with you, and I'm going to ask Scotty to put it back up on the screen, Ephesians 2 and verse 20, Scotty. If you could just put that, that part up. I want you to see this scripture because it's really what we're talking about. And I didn't plan on using this, but I love it. Uh, the next one. The next one, yeah, 20, 20. In whom the whole structure... So I want you to think with me this morning for a moment about structure, the structure of the church. And we're going to be talking about that as far as governance and leadership, how that looks. But you know, structure without uh, a spirit-led direction is dead. Many churches are dead because they have structure, but it's not necessarily biblical or spirit-led. For instance, a body without breath is dead. It's destructive. It's not worth anything. And a church needs more than just structure. But when the whole structure is joined together, when it's growing into a temple, then you can rest assured it is a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're after. That's what the goal of the next few weeks is, is to understand more about the church. This is a great organization. It's, it's ordained by God. This is how God established on earth a unique group of people who could come together in local assemblies and, 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 and reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and grow together. So many different things. So it's exciting, exciting times. Well, let me read you for just a moment uh, what our bylaws say about deacons. Just a portion of it, all right? So we can kind of learn together here. Deacons are men who meet the qualifications as specified in 1 Timothy chapter 3. In addition to minimum qualifications given in Scripture, deacons must be covenant members who fully subscribe to the church's articles of faith and are actively involved in the ministry of the church. The elders shall appoint the number of deacons required to meet permanent and short-term needs of the church. Deacons serve uh, a term of three years, up to five years, with a year off in between terms. The responsibility of the deacons is not explicit within the biblical text. So the overall responsibility of the deacon is to assist the elders in their service and the equipping functions of the church. Deacon responsibilities include, but are not limited to, things like this. Assisting the elders and pastors in shepherding the covenant members through biblical counseling, helping the elders and pastors lead and organize specific ministry initiatives, helping to strengthen ongoing ministries, helping the elders lead the corporate prayer meetings, and being available for further prayer after each meeting, and then being available at the end of the Sunday services to pray with people. And so what I've just read for you is a lot of words, but in ultimately it's, it's a way that 
we are kind of moving more into what the true service of a deacon is. And when we made our transition several years ago, and I'll explain more about this in just a moment, from more of a pastor-led model to an elder-led model, which was obviously a a tremendous blessing to our church family, we also changed the direction of our deacons. And some of that is what what I just read to you. And so I'm excited about implementing more of that into the church. In a moment, we're going to uh, introduce also a proposed elder. So let me take a moment and read what an elder is. The proposed appointment of an elder is communicated to the church up to 21 days in advance. Church members then have the opportunity to submit questions, comments, and concerns, which will be considered by the elders on a case-by-case basis. Confirmation and appointment of a new elder shall be at the sole and final discretion of the existing elders and effectuated upon their passing vote and the implied confirmation of the church, which is why we take a period of two to three weeks to make sure that there's no questions or concerns, and if there is, we address those uh, individually and, and one by one. And I'm going to actually speak on elders this morning, so I'll go more into their responsibilities in just a moment in the message. But for now, I want to introduce the men to quickly come to the platform and take a moment and introduce them to you, okay? So, John Schroeder, Brad Cranston, David McLean, Darian Sims, Don Yoke, and Timothy Gillespie. If you would come to the platform, and I love the order you guys were in. If you can remember it, we'll just stay in that order. That was perfect. These men are going to take a moment. Introduce themselves. Just kind of talk to you a little bit about who they are, what they what they do here, how they serve here, and it's going to be great. So I appreciate them. It went great in the first service. I know it's going to be great now. You guys didn't take too long, so don't add anything else, all right? All right, got to have enough time to preach. But anyway, you guys did absolutely A+. plus. All right, Tim Gillespie. Love you, man. Thanks, preacher. It's great to be here with you this morning. Just want to share with you just for a second uh, a little bit about me. My name is Tim. For those of you who don't know me, I have a wife. Her name is Diana, and we have a young son named Liam, and uh, we're greatly blessed to be here with you. Um, a little bit about me. Um, at the age of four, uh, I professed to be a Christ follower. I had a profession of faith that for many years felt very real to me, but um, in my teenage years, I felt a conviction that I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ, that I wasn't truly following Christ, and that I didn't have uh, the, the Holy Spirit leading me. And so at the age of 15... I made a commitment to become a Christ follower and ask Jesus to come into my heart and be Lord and Savior of my life. Uh, it wasn't long after that that I felt God impressing upon my life to um, find a way to invest in future generations. I didn't know what that meant. Uh, I knew it meant working with youth, with young people, but I didn't know uh, how God was going to lead in that way. Um, and so that, though, that desire in my heart brought me to Hot Springs. I grew up in Dallas. Um, but I ended up here in Hot Springs going to Champion Christian College, uh, graduated from there in 2014. And, um, and then for the past five years now, I've been working at Gospel Light Christian School and uh, just getting the opportunity to invest in, in our future. And I'm just so grateful for this church um, and everything it's meant to me. It has got me through some of the most difficult times in my life. And I can honestly say I don't know where I'd be today if it wasn't for Gospel Light Baptist Church. And so I'm just so thankful that you guys... Um, are considering uh, me to have an opportunity to maybe give back a little to our church. Good morning. Let's try that one more time. Good morning. There you go. Guys, I'm John Schroeder. tell you a little bit about myself. When I was nine years old under the pastor of Brother John Wright, First Baptist Church, Little Rock, I came down to the Christ. I remember distinctly jumping over the pews. I'm sure my parents were mortified, but I couldn't wait to get down and go out to the aisle. 
Uh, so from about the time I was nine until I was about 15, 16 years old, I really followed hard after the Lord. And then I started doing the things my parents told me not to do. And the first place I rebelled was music. So young people, if you're listening to music that is not glorifying the Lord, you are leading yourself down the wrong path, and you will eventually do what that music tells you to do. How do I know? Because two years after I started listening to that music, my mom warned me not to listen to I was doing everything it told me to do. Okay, and I ran from God for over 15 years. And I remember thinking, am I ever going to come back to Christ while my parents are alive? I was that far gone. When I was 31 years old, I'm 43 now, when I was 31 years old, the Lord broke me financially and broke me spiritually and allowed me to come back. And thank God I have a Savior who gives me second and third and fourth and fifth chances, right? And He does the same for you. So my life verse really is Isaiah 6, 8. Also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Because this is not about me. Okay, but this is about Christ. Now when I first came back to Christ and came found gospel light, that wouldn't have been my life verse. But because preacher introduced me to a man by the name of Mike Ott, and I got to be a disciple for three solid years every Wednesday night. And that changed my life. So I stand before you a person who doesn't deserve to stand before you to be a deacon. But if you give me the chance, I'll do everything I can humbly to serve you. Okay? Hey, church. My name is Darian. My wife is Tiffany Sims. We have been actively involved in Gospel Light for over 18 years or so now. Um, my family was actually reached to the bus ministry here. Um, and so it makes you thankful for the people like Mark Kintrell who invest their lives because that's, that's not a lost cause. These people, there's people and kids in there who need that. Um, and so I accepted Christ at the age of nine. Um, and since then, it's just really changed my perspective on what God is doing and what he's done. Um, you've been here for 18 years and you see the ups, the downs of the church, but you know steadily that. When you, when you met God and he showed you that he loved you through your flaws and your mistakes, that you have purpose and you have hope. And knowing that you have a church body who's there for you and we're growing together um, just gives you that confidence that, man, we really can reach this next generation and those around us to make a difference for those. Um, we currently serve, me and my wife, um, as small group leaders in the Madhouse Youth Department. And so it's kind of cool to be on the flip side of it of investing in the kids that are younger than me now. Um, and so... Your words and your, your thoughts do not go unnoticed. Um, I'm also actively involved in the security team here um, and just so excited to see what God has in store for the future of our church. Thanks. Morning. Can you hear me now, honey? All right. I told my son I would give him a shout out. So, Dan, you're the man. My wife, Kelly. Um, see, I did it again. I just... I'm Don Yoke, by the way. I did that the first service, too. You know, this, this is a familiar place for me. Um, I graduated from Champion, came here in um, 2009. I moved back to Texas with a youth pastor for a little while. God brought me back here. I'm very comfortable in this auditorium, which is what I think we should be. We're, we're friends. Um, and uh, so I love this church. I don't think I will. Anyway, my wife, Kelly, um, we've been married for 27 years. It's an honor to be a deacon here. Um, it's an honor to be 
uh, proposed for that. Um, uh, my life verse is um, to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind, which is the greatest commandment. And the second is likened unto the first, and that's to love yourself, love your neighbor as yourself. And like I said this morning, that's really hard to do. But with Christ, we can do that. Um, I've been in ministry in and out for about uh, 10 to 12 years. I'm excited about the direction the church is going. I'm excited about uh, the vision that the elders and pastor have for us. Um, and like I said, the first service, when a preacher comes to you and says, Hey, I need you to pray about something. Uh, you pray about it, and uh, you do what you do what God tells you to do. And, and a pastor's asked me to do this, and I love him to death. One more thing: this group of men up here. I was thinking about that this morning. We've all been here a long time. We got one newcomer, and uh, but we love you. Um, I don't even know the guy, but I love him. Um, but uh, you know, we've been through a lot. We've 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 come through a lot. We've seen a lot. I can remember Darian when. When, when he was about this tall, he could still dunk, but he was about this tall. But um, it's an honor to be here with these men. You guys have got a great group of men, um, and God is really putting some great things together. So thank you. Good morning, Gospelite. I'm David McLean. I've been married to my wife, Leah, for going on 10 years this year. Uh, we have two beautiful children, Jolie and Haley. Uh, I moved here in 2005 to go to Champion, where I graduated in 2009, and my family and I have been serving faithfully in the church here over the last 15 years, and looking forward to opportunity to serve here in the church. Thanks. Hello, my name is uh, Brad Cranston. This is my first time being here, so I'm a little nervous. I'm just kidding, but um, but God did use a kind of a unique path to bring my wife and I here to, to Gospel Light. I grew up in a pastor's home. In Iowa, and at the age of 11, I recognized my need for salvation. That's when I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and uh, kind of went on, went on to uh, Bible college where I met my beautiful wife, Trisha. Some of you know her as a, a teacher for the K-5 class here at Gospel Light Christian School, and uh, after Bible college, graduated there, and, and, uh, and we worked there in the ministry in Iowa for about seven years as youth pastor and an associate pastor, and really had a, a God really blessed me with a lot of opportunities as a police chaplain, be able to work with people. As that period of time went on, it became very clear that God was moving and things were changing in my life, in my heart, and uh, in, the pa in the ministry of, of Brother Eric, uh, kind of was able to reach out to me. And, uh, and so over the last uh, bit of, uh, of time, um, I've been able to come here. My wife and I have uh, moved here uh, last year. And, uh, and really just the love that has been shown to us is just astounding. And this place is just, just amazing. Uh, the heart of God is, is just pouring out here across Gospel Light and across the community here in Hot Springs. And so just to be a part of this church is just such an honor. And uh, when Preacher came to me and, and, uh, and, and brought this uh, to me, I'm just, I'm just beyond um, humbled and, and honored to be able to serve alongside of such great men. And so uh, just to have this opportunity to candidate, I, I deeply appreciate and, uh, and just enjoy this opportunity. Thank you. Amen. Great job. Just remain here for a second. Awesome. Maybe up there. Yeah, down there. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I want to say just a word real quick about the diversity that's on this platform that I think will be a blessing to everybody here. Uh, first of all, we started Champion Christian College in 2005, and actually Champion Baptist College now transitioned to Champion Christian after accreditation. We have three graduates on the platform that, that came here as a result. Yeah. 
of, yeah, uh, Don's a graduate, Dave's a graduate, and Tim's a graduate of Champion, uh, and, and that's exciting because obviously, you know, many of you were here when we planted uh, that institution, started it, and a lot of sacrifice, a lot of, a lot of things that have, uh, you know, that were, it was a struggle, and, and now to see how God's allowed the college to be accredited and how it's now kind of growing in a good direction, and we're actually seeing fruit from that labor. Praise God for these men, great men, great graduates. And then, of course, uh, John, what a story, what a testimony. Here is a man in the church leading, serving, leading his family, uh, serving in our community in the sheriff's department. And yet God brought him out of a life of things he talked about, alcohol, drugs. He actually gave a little more information this morning, but it was powerful because there's a lot of men. God has given our church a unique location. And church, I, I hope that you notice that we are reaching out to a lot of men and women who are struggling in different things and addictions. And I, I just believe today we can be encouraged as a man stands here living in victory, having by God's grace and through his strength overcome those things and now uh, serving, going to serve as a deacon. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Um, I was thinking about Darian and the bus ministry. You know, our church has had that for many, many years. And we have, you know, launched out buses. We had as many one time as 12, 13, 14 buses. And through just transition of ministry and things that have become a little bit more effective in, in, uh, in, in evangelism, we still have a good bus ministry, a solid bus ministry. We've changed a little bit of our mission and how we're doing it, but we still run vans, run buses, pick up children in our, uh, in our C4C ministry. But it's good today, and Mark, I know you're rejoicing along with those that are still in the bus ministry, to see that ministry and the labor and the fruit now that we are able to experience in Darian Sims standing here, graduate of Gospel at Christian School, and uh, raised, uh, you know, come to church up through the bus ministry. Amazing. And then I love Brad's testimony because Brad represents, I think, also a lot of folks in our church and through the years that have come here, maybe uh, somewhat wounded in church life. And potentially even on church staff and just things that have, you know, a, a lot of us went through a transition as a church family. It was painful to watch a lot of folks struggle with that and even many leave and, and, and others come and, and we've kind of got through that. But what's interesting is the faithfulness of this church family and the, the, the price that you paid along with all the elders and deacons of our church to kind of go through that transition, which is really what I'm presenting today. is a lot of transition in our church and leadership even, is why families like the Cranstons can come, find a place of healing, find a place to belong. And then I want to just say this about Brad, since he is our newest deacon uh, as far as longevity of, of time here, what an impact in a short period of time this man has had and his wife, especially amongst our teenagers. So I'm grateful for that. So would you give these men one more round of applause? Thank you, guys, and your wives and your kids. Awesome. That couldn't have gone any better. One more introduction. I want to ask Jeremy and uh, Jeremy to come. Jeremy, Jillian is home with a sick baby. So, Jeremy, you come to the platform. And Jeremy's going to take the mic as well and take a moment, introduce himself, say a few words. And then, after he finishes... I'm going to ask you to open God's Word, and we're going to talk about this for just a moment. Jeremy, uh, proposed elder, new elder for the church. Good morning, Gospel Light. Good morning. Well, I want to say uh, first and foremost that uh, it, is a, it is a great undeserved honor uh, to be considered as a prospect uh, for serving as an elder among our team of elders and our pastor Capacey. 
and I want to say thank you for even the consideration. Uh, first and foremost, I want to make it clear uh, that the most important joy and gratitude that I have to stand here before you is for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the relationship he began with me. So I will tell you that I did not grow up in uh, church at all. Uh, My family was completely anti-church, and so I grew up in a very dysfunctional environment and spent most of my time on the West Coast in California. But in God's grace, by the time I was 17 years old, I found myself living with my grandparents, and they were helping me finish high school. But I was a wretch. But by God's grace... I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was radically saved at 17 and then undeservedly called into the gospel ministry at 18. And so since I was 18, I have been standing before God's people, feeding the flock, uh, pastoring numerous congregations in Arkansas, out of Arkansas, church planting. And so for the last 23 years of my life, that's what I have been doing Not because I chose that as much as the Lord called me to. And so it's always an honor to serve him in whatever capacity that looks like. And so I say to you today that, praise God, he gave me my wife Jillian. Uh, We were married in 2002, so we were married 18 years uh, uh, coming up this year. And I praise God for her, who is my helper in ministry and always has been. But I will say to you that God has, in his time, uh, called us from the former pastorate. I was in Benton, Arkansas, pastoring, called us here to Gospel Light to serve alongside Pastor Capace as an associate pastor and also an associate president, I guess, if you will, at Champion Christian College, uh, a true associate to this dear brother and whatever God would have me to do to stand alongside him. And so today, I give God the praise and understand that as an elder prospect, that means I would be spiritually vested in the spiritual well-being of your life and for your family. And that's nothing to take lightly. So if that's God's will to come alongside these team of men, and then, then may the Lord's will be done, and may we grow in Christ together. God bless you, friends. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Love you. Love you. Love you, too. Thank you. Great job. Wonderful. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter number, if you would please, Exodus chapter 18. We're going to start reading the Word of God together, and then we're going to move uh, into a few notes, okay? So it won't be long this morning, but we'll, I, I, I know I've got a little more, a little less time, but I've got enough time, and so I want to do that. Uh, I want to remind everybody that for the next two or three weeks, the men on the platform, there's a reason why we take up to two or three weeks and extend that. Uh, time for questions, concerns, comments, anything like that can be directed to one of our five elders. And you can uh, go to the website and email us directly from there or just come to us individually. If you know us personally, you can text us and then we'll move forward from there uh, with the confirmation being from the church family affirmed in either your no comments or comments that have been considered and talked about amongst the elders. So we're excited about the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be addressing the deacons next week. So that's going to be exciting. So what you've experienced here in these new deacons, some of the others that are continuing to be a deacon, we'll introduce those to you next week. And we'll talk about that in the church and what that looks like. And I think you're going to be really helped. Again, I've had a lot of folks 
asked recently, what exactly are these men? What are these officers? What do they do? You're going to find out today. It's going to be exciting. Exodus 18. Before I read this passage, I want to remind you that this is the father-in-law of Moses giving him counsel. Okay, so that's the context of this scripture. Verse 13. The next day, Moses sat down to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I'm going to give you some advice. God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. You shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, and you'll be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens, and they judged the people at all times. Any hard case, they brought to Moses. But any small matter, they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. Now I want to read for you, using the screen, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Let's read now from the New Testament. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder... And a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So that when the chief shepherd appears... You will receive the unfading crown of glory, this elder Peter says to these elders. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let's pray, shall we? Father, For the next few moments, I ask you to help me through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to connect with your people. May these words be clear and concise and helpful. And may our church family this year 
and in years to come and for generations to come be blessed because we took serious the calling of leadership, spiritual leadership to our church family. In Jesus' name, amen. I grew up a Roman Catholic. That's how I grew up. I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, in a Roman Catholic church. I attended every Sunday. In fact, to be honest, I probably attended multiple days in a week because I was an altar boy. Just curious, do we have any former Roman Catholic altar boys in the building? Anybody ever serve? Okay, Chet did, all right. Anybody else? Usually I meet one or two every time I give this story. I was pretty dedicated. I served most of the time at 6 o'clock Mass at the St. Catherine of Siena Church in New Orleans. My dad would pick me up about 5.15 so we could be to the church at 5.30 in order to serve the Mass, the priest, at 6 o'clock. So I was super dedicated. My mom and dad had been divorced, but my dad went through the process of getting his marriage annulled, as the Catholic Church would allow, and so, again, the influence of my father was very heavy on me, still is, in a, in, a, in a really good way. I don't have time to tell my whole testimony, which is obviously a, a beautiful picture of God's grace. And, and many, many things about my family are just uh, amazing, even though many of them still are Catholic and, and live in, in New Orleans. My dad would, uh, would, would have had a heavy influence on me, so I grew up understanding that there was a man who we all revered, and it was the Pope. And we also revered the priest pretty heavily. In fact, we would have considered when we confessed our sins to the priest that we were confessing our sins to someone who was absolutely at that moment perfect because he could absolve our sins in his position. And we believe that. And we very strongly believe that. And we revered the Pope in a very, very uh, unusual way. Well, I got saved and kind of came under some teaching in our church and uh, began to study the Bible for myself. And again, even as a young lad called to preach at the age of 15... In a Baptist church, by the way, it is, it is not so much that I was a Catholic or that I was a Baptist, but here's the key. I became a Christian. Amen. I became a Christ follower. I began to read my Bible, study my Bible, study the New Testament. And as I studied the New Testament, I began to wonder something. How could anyone get away from the clear teaching of the New Testament that a hierarchical construction uh, like the Roman Catholic Church, could, could be biblical. But then I became a Baptist, Baptist and realized that this hierarchical construction did not just exist with Catholics and popes, but it also existed in other denominations like the Baptist Church, where there would be a pope-like figure at times, the pastor, who controlled everything. Kind of the buck stopped here, and, and at times I would hear things like, from the pulpit, statements like, if you don't like it, the door swings both ways, you know. Well, at the time, being a young man and being very, you know, influenced, obviously, I probably said amen to some things that now I wouldn't say amen to. Didn't really know what I was saying amen to. Got caught up in some of the emotion we all do at times, you know, in life. But I began to be uncomfortable with some of those statements. Began to go to conferences, and as I would view men walking into the platform and getting standing ovations, and sometimes it was so radical that men would actually stand on pews, and, and it, was a, it was as if I was experiencing some of those same uncomfortable things that I was experiencing as a young believer in Christ and a young preacher boy studying the New Testament, realizing, and I would kind of have some discussions with my dad 
uh, disagreements with him. I was probably somewhat arrogant at the time and have made uh, restitution with my dad in those areas years ago, asked his forgiveness for disrespect. I just didn't understand. And, but I began to understand that it's, it, it wasn't just a, a, a Pope issue. It was just an issue in churches that weren't following the New Testament construction, hierarchical construction, the biblical model of a New Testament church. So I began as a pastor here, much like I was taught. And that's, that's kind of how it goes usually. You, you start a church, and, but I, I, I started the church, even though I didn't know the first thing about elders, I didn't even really know much about deacons and how they would serve in a church. I just knew that, you know, from church manual that I had read and different things that I had studied, you know, hey, there's a pastor, there's deacons, and you just kind of figure this thing out together. And we did. And by the way, God blessed in a lot of ways. It wasn't that we were intentionally doing things wrong or really did, you know, ran the church in a, in a manner that would have not pleased God so much as it was. We just have grown as a congregation. And as truth has been presented to us, as I've been given maybe, hey, Eric, would you consider this? Would you, here's a good book to read. Here's a, here's something I want you to consider. Would you look at this thing of being elders? And of course, like many, when I heard the word elders, I immediately thought, well, that's, that's the Presbyterian church, right? They have elders. What I didn't understand is it had nothing to do with being a Presbyterian. It had something to do with being a Biblicist, with believing the Bible. And so about five or six years ago, we sat down with a number of men in our church that were actually appointed by our church family. And two hours every week, we studied the church together. Some of the men are, are in this room right now that did this with us. And we're in the first service. And we began to rewrite some of our bylaws, and our, we, we, we actually wrote a church covenant. These are the documents, along with the articles of faith, that we use in our new member orientation. And I've actually done some of those new member orientations where I've had some of our staff say, preacher, pastor, you know, even my own children, dad, you know, we should, the, the church needs to know more about this. I mean, I know years ago we presented this to the church, and these documents are available uh, they're online, they're available, hard copies in the office. I mean, they're available, but many times we just, you know, we just sort of come to church and, and it's, it's good. It's not a bad thing that we, you know, we've not memorized these documents, but I think it is helpful when we're reminded of some things. And so God kind of convicted me a few weeks and months ago to the extent where I went to the elders and said, gentlemen, you know, we've got elections coming soon. We're going to be recommending deacons and potentially a new elder uh, to the church. I would love to just reconsider these things and potentially take them very carefully and methodically and cautiously uh, to another level, to a more biblical level. So here we are this morning, and that's kind of where we're at. And so I want to encourage you today as we look to the Word of God to be careful that we don't apply human wisdom to the Scriptures. The Bible doesn't need our human wisdom. So often we tend to to, to add our thoughts to the Bible, our opinions to the Bible. And after we finish teaching it, it is absolutely nothing uh, uh, as to what the Bible has said. So I want to be sure to stick with the Word of God as I talk about leadership in the church. The church of Jesus Christ does not and will not progress beyond the spiritual progress of its leaders. That's the way it was in the early church, in the New Testament church deacons, elders, and now today we consider staff. We, we have small group leaders that are leading spiritually. We have youth leaders and others that are voluntarily, voluntarily leading others in the church. And I'm concerned 
I am concerned because as you heard some of our deacons say the words next generation, I believe it was uh, Tim and Darian that mentioned the next generation. My fear is that if we don't take these matters seriously, that who's going to suffer is the next generation of young leaders in the church. And we see kind of a dearth of that in our, even in our own youth and sometimes in our, in our, in our young college students. We, we see at times uh, a, a level of just disregard for spiritual leadership. So we say that not to point out anything in particular, but just to say, this is important. This is super important. And so we bring a few messages on it that I think is going to really be helpful to the church. So Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3, some things that I want you to see. He addresses the elders and he says it like this. He says, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be the overseer, office of an overseer or an elder, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife. We have, uh, as we studied that several years ago, we transitioned our, our position to be not the husband of one wife as in he has never been divorced, but the husband of one wife at this moment, at this time, faithfully loving and serving with his wife and having done that over a period of several years. Husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. He has to be able to teach. He's not a drunkard. He's not violent, but gentle. He's not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well. With all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil." So we see here some of the qualifications, if you will, of elder leadership. But we're talking more this morning about the responsibilities. And so the story of the New Testament is is really simple. It's the story of the good news of the gospel as it penetrates communities in their time. By the way, that's what we're talking about as a, a church family this morning with the North American Mission Board. Missionaries, church planners who will go into communities... We supported them this morning. We gave to this effort. The purpose of the New Testament church back in that day is the same purpose today. Churches that would penetrate the communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ because they preached the gospel. People were saved. They became followers of Jesus. They then gathered in fellowship with one another. In the early church, they would have initially read the Old Testament scriptures because in essence, that's all they would have had. And then they would have, in order to move forward, they would have actually asked men in the church, they would have uh, applied elders then to the church in order to lead the church spiritually. Thus we read of Paul and Barnabas and others in the New Testament, preaching and teaching and discipling and coming back around to appoint elders in the church. So it's very simple. The pattern of the New Testament church is men and women were converted, churches were established, and elders were appointed. Men and women were converted, churches were established, and elders were appointed. And so, we've established a church, we've got people that have been saved, and several years ago, we started to appoint elders in the church, and we continue to do that even today. So our text says in 1 Peter chapter 5, again, 
in your Bibles, if you have a copy of God's Word, it says, I exhort the elders among you. Peter here is addressing these elders as a fellow elder. In this section that we're going to read here and study, it's not dealing with the qualifications, but rather the responsibilities. And so what I have drawn, I've drawn this conclusion, four responsibilities concerning elder leadership in the church. And I want to give you those really in one word apiece. Before I give you those quickly, I want to remind you of this. In many ways, these words are words that could be applied to spiritual leadership in your home. Spiritual leadership in your work. If you're a, a believer and you are an uh, employer and you have men and women that work for you, these are applicable. Spiritual leadership in the church, spiritual leadership in the school here at Gospel Light. These are areas of our lives where we can apply these things and, and they can be very applicable. But as you, as you journey with me for the next 10, 15 minutes, as we give you these four words and just a few notes, I believe towards the end you'll understand that there is an opportunity to respond to this message, all of us, as we become more familiar with the purpose of our elders. Number one, elder leadership is, first of all, pastoral. It's pastoral. In fact, the very word elder, I exhort the elders among you. That word elders there is a Greek word, presbyteroi, which gives us an English word, presbyter or presbyterian, or here's what it means, maturity. So here is someone that is a mature spiritual person. They're mature. They've been saved a while. They've grown in their faith. They've had a chance to establish themselves in the church community as an example in many areas. It may not be related necessarily to the age of the individual, right? We know that many are young and yet spiritually mature. Others can be old and somewhat immature. So it doesn't specifically say that an elder has to be a certain age. It's not age specific. But this is someone who is spiritually mature. He's an elder. Presbytery. And then the Bible says here he's a shepherd of the flock of God. That word shepherd there, it's a verb, it's an action word. It speaks of responsibility. He's shepherding the flock. He's, he's got responsibilities. He's exercising, in verse 2, oversight. What is his main oversight? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, speaks of it like this. Remember the leaders, here it is, who speak to you the word of God. There's nothing more important than an elder speaking to you the word of God. Not necessarily all of them from the pulpit. Not necessarily every elder having equal time in the pulpit. That's, that's not, elders have different giftings. But every elder is apt to teach. Every elder knows how to give his answer to any problem, small or large, using the word of God. And love these leaders that speak to you the word of God. They're apt to teach. You have a lead pastor. We, may have, we mentioned we have an associate pastor. These may be men and even others who are appointed an opportunity to speak directly to the church on a Sunday morning corporate gathering. But we have other elders. Other elders who are feeding the congregation through their small groups, through council. Uh, we have an elder here, Doug Gully, who's not here this Sunday, uh, traveling this weekend, but who has a great counseling ministry in our church and in his own office just for counseling. And we have other elders that are able to give advice. They lead small groups. They give advice about family and 
opportunities, uh, financial uh, advice, and they do it using the Word of God. I love Adrian Rogers. He's one of my heroes. And he would say, as I kind of sat under his tutelage for the last two years of his life before cancer took him to Jesus, he would say the elder's responsibility is to feed you and to lead you. Feed and lead. Spiritual responsibility. But there's something else the Word of God is. They speak to you the Word of God. They feed you the Word of God and lead you. Then Hebrews 13, 7 also says this. It says, keeping watch over your souls. So Adrian would say this, feed you and lead you, and they watch you and warn you. Feed and lead, watch and warn. What a responsibility. Now, there's some ways we're not to do this. There really are. In fact, here's what the scripture says about ways not to feed and lead and ways not to watch and warn, which all too often we can fall into this trap. So here's a warning. Shepherds. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. But don't do it under compulsion, but willingly. As God would have you, not as for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over you and uh, those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So let's look at the three knots real quick. And let me comment about those quickly. First of all, the first knot is not under compulsion. You know, it's not just, well, I got to do my duty. This is, you know, this is what I got to do. I have no choice. I can assure you my wife didn't shove me out of bed this morning. She didn't have to. And I was up way before anybody else was eager to get to my office. Eager to get to the Word of God. Hey, 99.9% of the time, I am so excited by the time I get to this pulpit about sharing with you what God wants me to share that I I can tell you I am eager. (laughs) I am excited. I am willing to give you the word of God out of a heart of just gratitude and thanksgiving. So not under compulsion, not for shameful gain. What do I get out of this? You know, is my name in lights. Hey, make sure to address me this way or that way. Or what are my benefits and what kind of raise do I get? And hey, you know, how many, how many, you know, how many vacation weeks do I get after so many years? And is it always about what do I get out of it? Gain-wise, what's, what's in it for me? Or is it more, hey, I'm just eager to serve. I'm just willing and ready to serve whatever it takes. It's gonna, there's going to be highs and lows, and that's good with me. The attitude of an elder. When I say me, I'm speaking for all of us, because this is not just about me. This is about all of us this morning who serve in this capacity, in this position. We are to be not under compulsion. We're, we are not to do this for shameful gain. Thirdly, we're not domineering. Oh, man, this is the problem that... I faced as a church member oftentimes feeling as if there was a, a very mean, rude, upset, angry. When you walk out of church, it's almost like, oh, man, he did everything but just look at me, you know. And it wasn't the Holy Spirit's conviction, trust me. It was, it was something else. It was obvious that there was a domineering, hey, I can say I've probably been guilty of that before. I'm sure that I have. I stand before you uh, growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I stand accountable today to men that I not fall under these knots of being an elder. Be an example. Not domineering, but just being an example. Living the life. Teaching the word in love. Speaking the truth in love. And realizing that I can't change you. Only the Holy Spirit can. Amen? It's not my job to call you in my office and 
point out all your wrongs. It's my job just to teach the Word of God. And then you have a choice. You have a choice. You can either choose to or choose not to. But, you know, I, I, I pray for you to make the right choice as I speak the Word of God to you. And so elders need to ask themselves the question on a regular basis. Am I doing this out of compulsion for shameful gain? Am I, am I leading in a domineering way? We need to ask ourselves those questions and check ourselves constantly. Number two, elder leadership is not only pastoral, but secondly, it is accountable. It's accountable. The elder who takes his calling seriously lives under the constant pressure of knowing that. That I will stand and give an account. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Keeping watch over your souls as to those who will give an account. This is a very serious point in this message. Now, there's a mutual accountability that should exist between all of us in the church congregation. Amen? In other words, all of us are accountable to each and every one of us. I mean, I... I, I uh, I'm thinking of, of, of situations and times where 99% of the time where, you know, I, I go to you or you come to me and we, we work something out or we talk something through and, man, it's all done. It's over. It's, it happens constantly. Just little things. It could be something small. It could be something large. But just we speak into each other's lives. And that's how church life is. We're a community. We're a family. We're not ignoring one another. We're not watching each other go make mistakes. We're approaching one another. We're conversing with one another. We're not holding grudges. We're going to one another. We're, we're, we're... So mutual accountability is incredibly important when it comes to church life. God, through his Holy Spirit, speaks to all of us through Scripture. Amen. Every one of us has that privilege as the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us. We are tutored. We are led by the Word of God, all of us. And yet God has set apart some holy to this task. Holy to it. This is what God has called them to do. So Paul says it humbly and helpful in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 like this. He says, this is how one should regard us as elders. He says, as servants of Christ, as stewards of the mysteries of God, moreover, remember this, it is required of us that we be found not successful, but faithful. That's the key. So glad it didn't say successful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. So many times we think that when, it, when, you know, when, when we talk about accountability, we, you know, well, we, uh, I'm going to talk to the pastor about the message he preached Sunday. I think he just preached two minutes too long or two minutes too short or I'm going to tell him what to preach or what to do. And, and I'm going to tell him what I think about the color of the carpet or I'm going to tell the elders what I think about this or that or the other. That's not what it's talking. It's not talking about judging the pastor's performance or the elder's performance or, or how they preach or how long they preach or all of these things or these decisions they're making. It's speaking here specifically. Notice with me here, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. You see, what I'm going to have to do, and Paul makes this very clear, what every elder, should Jeremy become an elder at gospel light, what Jeremy will have to do is one day stand before God and give an account for every word he spoke from this pulpit. Every word we spoke in council, we'll give an account for that. Were we prideful? Did we say it? In jest, 
Did we take the word of God in jest or did we take the word of God seriously? We will give an account for that. Every private counseling session, we will give an account to God. Every time we presented something to someone that we would not live ourselves, we'll give an account for that. So I say all that to say this is something, church, that as I present this to you, I'm reminded by the Holy Spirit that this is a a process of growth for us. That this message, as I presented this morning, for the very first time, like this, it's, it's, it's raising the bar. It, it's, it's raising awareness of what an elder is and what his responsibilities are. Number three, elder leadership is it's pastoral, it's accountable, but thirdly, it's, it's plural. The requirements of the elders, plural, are shared requirements. And that's not saying that every elder is equally gifted. They're not equally gifted, not, not, not at all. Some are more gifted to speak, maybe, and to, 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 to be an orator. Uh, others are gifted in other areas uh, of ministry. And we're, we're, there's a diversity of giftings, but there's an equality in our, in our team, in our board. There's a diversity in gifting, but, but there's team. Team is always important, and yet there's always leaders among leaders. Are you with me? So that's why we have, in our bylaws, a lead pastor. A lead pastor that's probably going to do the majority of the preaching, and more than likely he'll do, uh, on average, more, maybe more funerals, may, maybe more weddings, maybe not. He may, uh, you know, he, he may do uh, some of the baptizing, some of the presentations in church, cast the vision, maybe. There's a very descriptive uh, responsibilities of a lead pastor, but he's an elder. He's one of the several elders, yet, yet he may be a leader among leaders. Isn't this true? If you take 10 boys and put them on a playground with a basketball and tell them to play ball for an hour, within a few minutes, they're going to choose a captain. Somebody's going to start leading. Jesus chose the 12 apostles, but it was Peter, James, and John that went to the Mount of Transfiguration. There was leaders among leaders. And so there's a distinction here. And we see the distinction very clearly in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17, where the Bible says, let the elders in this group of men, let them who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And so there's a distinct difference even in our bylaws uh, to a staff elder and to a lay elder. A staff elder is probably going to be someone who is, he's paid by the church. He's, he's compensated by the church to, to work, to, to run the daily operations, to preach the word of God, to study, to pray, to take his time, to prepare messages and to visit and to love and to pray and to anoint with oil and, and to be sure he's available. If someone calls the elders of the church, he drops everything he's doing to make sure he does all he can to meet those needs. There's a lot of things that are mentioned there, but most importantly, it's, it's prayer and, and Bible study and teaching. But ultimately, there is different giftings and potentially different areas where we focus in. And there's a, a, a balance, and that's what makes it beautiful. And the balance is that we are plural. We are accountable to one another, but we all are equal when it comes to our elder team. It's an amazing, beautiful thing that God has done. And then number four, and finally, elder leadership is spiritual. Isn't it always spiritual? Doesn't it always just come down to that? 
Why don't people pray? It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual problem. Why don't people sing in church? Why don't people worship in church? If the singing is poor in a church, it's a spiritual problem. Why would someone not give? Why would someone hold their tithes and hold their offerings? It's a spiritual problem. It's always a spiritual issue. That's why we must be reminded that our church is not a social club. We're not some gathering where we just get together and have this hip-hop relationship. And, you know, we just sort of, you know, get together and, and, and hang out and see who we can connect with and who we can kind of get to sign up to be our friends and, and who we can get to know. And this is not a social club. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ for which he gave his blood, he shed his blood for. This is serious. This is incredibly serious. And thank God, on at 600 Garland Street, in this particular location... He established a local church, Gospelite. And Gospelite is growing together. We're growing together in our structure. We're becoming a stronger body. We're seeing members of our church grow up. And, 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 and I can see so many men in our church becoming strong spiritual leaders, whether they serve on the staff one day or on the leadership team or on the deacon team or on the elder team. I mean, there's, I can see God working and moving in so many ways. And my prayer is that we would take it serious, more serious than we ever had before. So what is the responsibility and role of the congregation? I'll close with this and I'm done. Instead of putting Hebrews 13, well, just put Hebrews 13 real quick, Scotty, real quick. Here it is. They speak the word of God. You're to consider their outcome and imitate their faith. So let me talk about those three things. They're in your notes. Number one, we're to love the leaders who speak the word of God. We're to love them. That's your responsibility. I don't have time to develop the submission part of it, but, you know, if, if, if the church has been gifted with spiritual leadership and elders in the church, then, then God wants you to submit to those leaders. And, and you can submit to leaders as you understand these two next things. Number one, when you consider the outcome of their lives. Look at their lives. Let their lives speak. How is it working out for them? Is this thing of church making a difference in in their lives? Is the word of God making a difference in the pastor's marriage? Is the preaching and teaching making a difference in in, in the elders' kids? Consider the outcome of their lives. That's important. It's a great responsibility. And then imitate their faith. Oh, when our lives are struck by trials. When our lives are struck by a miscarriage or or a special needs child in in my particular case, or maybe cancer. I remember when Dave Chittam had serious heart issues and there was one particular day where we thought we may have lost Dave. Sonia remembers that day well. How did Dave and Sonia react to that? We look at their lives. We see them being faithful, not necessarily successful. That's not what it's about. But were they faithful? Can we see over a period of time a track record of men who have been through tough times, even trials with their own children? But how have these men responded? How have their wives responded? Have they continued to pray and believe that God's going to answer their prayers and stay faithful to God? Consider that. Imitate their faith. These are not perfect men. 
We're not perfect families. We all have been through so much. We just ask you to consider the outcome of our way of life and then imitate our faith. How are we responding to those problems? What an honor. I want to stand before you just testify for the last two minutes of this message. What an honor it is to teach and preach the Word of God at Gospel Life. What an honor. I take it seriously. I'm thankful for Jeremy's words, a reminder of just how important this is. And I want to challenge everybody in this room to believe nothing upon just my word. Don't believe it because I said it. Only believe that which can be proved by the word of God. Just because I'm teaching and preaching the word of God does not necessarily mean it's true. If I'm preaching the word of God, it's true. But because I'm saying it doesn't mean it's true. You test it for yourself. So in closing, I'm grateful today for the moves we're making. I'm excited about next week and talking about deacons. I'm thrilled that you're going to have a chance to pray for Jeremy and these men and consider their lives and determine how you feel about it. And if you care about Gospel Light Baptist Church, if you care about this church, then the election of the Supreme Court of the United States of America The election of those Supreme Court members are not nearly as important as the election of elders and deacons in the local church. I don't believe, I believe the most important thing we'll do over the next two or three weeks is decide to appoint a new elder and six new deacons to lead, to feed, to watch, and to warn so that generations to come will be nurtured, so that generations to come will have a church that's been faithful so that we can see eternal results so that our grandkids have a biblical, Bible-believing church to attend and not some watered-down social club, but a church that's been faithful, pastors that have been faithful. In just a moment, we're going to sing together a song. It's called The Scandal of Grace. Honestly, church, we owe it all to Jesus Christ. It is only by the grace of God that any of us are sitting in this building or standing on this platform or leading worship. It's only by the grace of God. I love these words. The day and its troubles shall come. Anybody ever had troubles? They're coming. I know that your strength is enough. The scandal of grace, you died in my place, so my soul will live. And when we get to this part of this new hymn, think about singing this from your heart. Oh, to be like you. Not the pastor, not the elders, not the deacons. Oh, to be like you, Jesus. Give all that I have just to know you. Jesus, there's no one besides you. Forever the hope in my heart. Don't put your hope in church leadership. We may fail you. But I can promise you, Jesus will never fail you. That's a true statement. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever come and pray. You're welcome to do that. We're going to anoint these elders and new elder and deacons later on in the series, but until then, just take some time to pray, meet with the Lord, and determine to be the spiritual leader of your home, your business, your family, your small group. Father, we come before you right now, asking you to work and move in a way that God would be obvious and tangible and real. And as we lift up our voices and sing this song, may we sing it, Lord, from our hearts. This is not about man. This is about you, Jesus. It's about your grace that has somehow reached down and called us out of lives that have been, that had no hope, no hope apart from Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you for that. 
May we lead this church under his leadership and under under the canopy of the blessed, precious word of God. I love you and I love these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together?